grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to worship with East Cobb United Methodist. I'm Reverend Kristen Hyden, the senior pastor, and I'm delighted that you are joining us. Today, we're kicking off a new sermon series that will carry us over the next five weeks as we explore the pledge and the promise that we make to the church when we become members of a United Methodist Church. Now, I recognize that some of you or many of you that are watching today may not actually be members of our church or any church. Don't turn off the stream just yet. While we'll be talking about the membership vows, the question we are asking is one that all who participate in a community of faith are invited to ask of themselves as they make that commitment. The way we phrase it in the United Methodist Church when someone comes to join our body of Christ, our community of faith, is like this. As members of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? So over the next five weeks, we'll be breaking down each aspect of these membership pledges and promises as we are invited to consider what it means for us to do that today. Because even for those of us who have been members of United Methodist Church our whole lives, the realities of life now in 2020, well, they've thrown everything we've known out the window. And now we are invited to re-examine these vows and reconsider how we are living into and living up to this pledge and this promise that we make. I love how John Wesley talks about us as a church. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement. He said that as we live out our, our membership, as we are a part of this community, the world really is our parish. That means we see our lives as people of faith, as the church, not just inside the walls of the church, but outside. We've come face to face with that reality over these last six or seven months. The church cannot exist if it is only inside the walls, for the church must exist across the world across communities. I'm also mindful though that that doesn't just mean outside, but there is a local reality to who we are as Methodists, as people of faith. And I'm grateful for the words from Reverend Dr. Mark Bram. He says this, we also know that Christian discipleship is a profoundly local reality. We are called to embody our faith in the midst of a very specific local congregation and community, in the midst of people with real problems and peculiarities, in the midst of people who know about our eccentricities and weaknesses. The task of loving God and all humanity begins with the challenge of loving our sometimes cranky neighbors and the members of our local church. These membership vows call us to practice both the universal and local aspects of discipleship. And so over these next few weeks, as we focus in on each of the five aspects of our membership vows, 
I invite you to consider how you are living into these vows in a universal way and in a local way, not just within the walls of your local church, but in your neighborhoods with your neighbors in your places of work in your school as you go out and about in the world. How can you continue to participate in the ministries of God wherever you are with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? Now we'll be using a singular scripture story to guide us over these next five weeks. That's something a little bit different. Well, we, we will be reading the same story over and over again, but invited to look at it in a different way each week. And that story is from John, although it appears in all the gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. John chapter six, beginning with the first verse. After this, Jesus went across the Galilee Sea, that is the Tiberias Sea. A large crowd followed him because they had seen the miraculous signs he had done among the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat there with his disciples. It was nearly time for Passover, the Jewish festival. Jesus looked up and saw the large crowd coming toward him. He asked Philip, where will we buy food to feed these people? Jesus said this to test him for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, more than a half year's salary worth of food wouldn't be enough for each person to even have a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said, a youth here has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that for a crowd like this? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass there. They sat down about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he just distributed it to those who were sitting there. He did the same with the fish, each getting as much as they wanted. When they had plenty to eat, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that had been left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw that he had done a miraculous sign, they said, this is truly the prophet who is coming into the world. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, as I said, this story will guide us over the next five weeks because I believe it is truly a beautiful glimpse of what it looks like to participate in the ministries of the church in ways that are outside the walls of the church, in ways that invite both believers and non-believers into participation and points us ultimately to Christ, which is our task as people of faith, to follow Christ and to embody Christ and Christ's love for one another and for God. So today we dive into this vow to participate in the ministries of the church through our prayers. Did you hear the prayer, the importance of prayer in our story today. That when Jesus receives the gifts from the young boy, what does he do? But gives thanks, gives thanks to God. 
And then the food is distributed and it multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. But before any of that can happen, a prayer of thanksgiving must be prayed. Friends, I think that is our first invitation in living out the pledge and the promise that we make to have a life that is marked by prayers of thanksgiving. Prayers that are lifted to God, grateful for this life that God has given us. Prayers that remind us of even the smallest gifts can have the biggest impacts in our world. Now you can hear from me about prayer over and over and over again. In fact, we preached about prayer just a few weeks ago. And so today I wanted you to hear from one of the prayer warriors in our congregation, Joanne Williams, a longtime member of our church and one of our go-to people when it's time for prayer. I'm grateful for her taking the time to speak with Pastor Jim and talk about what exactly prayer means to her. Take a listen. Good morning. I'm Jim Perry, Associate Pastor here at East Cobb United Methodist Church. And here with me this morning is Joanne Williams. Joanne has been an active member at East Cobb United Methodist Church almost as long as I've been here faithful participant in 930 worship. She's got a beautiful voice. And when I'm not involved in 930 worship, I always try to sit near Joanne so I can hear her sing. And <laughs> she's been a, a very loyal part of our Tuesday morning Bible study. And she's taught me and a lot of other people a lot about prayer. And as we start our series this week on prayer, uh, not a series on prayer, but it's a series that starts with prayer. It's a series on the vows that we take when we join the church to support the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. So as we start with prayer today, I asked Joanne to come because I want her to share with you about prayer. And I will first want to ask you, Joanne, what is prayer to you and what does it mean to you in your life? Good morning, thank you. Prayer to me is an invocation of communing with God. It's a solemn request for help from God. It's opening up our hearts to God. And it's a way of giving deliberate acts of thanksgiving. It's interceding for others. It's, it's just a daily activity with active reflections. I know you post a lot on social media and I see your postings on Facebook and they're almost always without exception, prayerful or at least very positive and encouraging. Can you comment on, on that as even in bad situations, how can you be so upbeat and so encouraging? the thing that keeps me upbeat is the word of God. Well, I know the word of God. When I stand on the word of God, the principles and the precepts, the promises of God, that's what, give, what gives me hope. 
And when the word of God says, vengeance belongs to God, or when the Lord says, I am your healer, no matter what we're going through, we're to give thanks, we're to look to him and thank him. And that's in the Psalms 34, bless the Lord at all times. And that's what I do. In any situation, I still say thank you. Well, I can testify to that because that, that is certainly your outlook and, and your practice, at least in my presence. Richard Foster wrote a definitive book on prayer several years ago, and it was called Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. And Richard Foster listed some misconceptions, not in that book, but in an article he wrote, he said that there are five misconceptions about prayer. One, that prayer means talking. Two, that prayer cannot be learned. Number three, prayer is complicated. Number four, prayer is a grim duty. His words, not mine. And five, God is remote and inaccessible. Can you comment on these misconceptions just as a whole? Do you feel like that people think that? And do any of these misconceptions creep into your prayer life? None of them creep in my prayer life because it's, it's, prayer is not complicated. You just pour out your heart to God. You just speak to God as if I'm speaking to you. It's not complicated. It's not grim. It can, you know, some of the things about prayer, I believe, can be learned um, because when we teach our children, as I teach my little three-year-old grand, always say, thank you, Jesus. Even when you eat your cookies, thank you, Jesus, for the cookie. And that way, I'm, I'm giving him a pedal. of whatever you get, whatever you're eating, you always thank God. So prayer, I, I believe it can be learned, but we're not consumed in the learn process because people pray from their different experiences. God is not remote. He said, I'm here always, Lord, I'm with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he's not remote. His Wi-Fi is always open. <laughs> and he has no delete buttons. That's right. Well, thank you, Pastor Jim and Joanne. I love what she said, that metaphor she offered. God's Wi-Fi is always on and God does not have a delete button. God is always there for us, ready and willing to hear the prayers that we pour out to the divine. And just as Jesus showed us in our story for today, so Joanne echoed in her comments that prayer is a profound time for thanksgiving. And that's something that, that she teaches to her grandchildren, something that we all try to instill in our children, to give thanks for what we have. That, that is the start, that is the beginning of our prayer life, to give thanks. I wonder how often you are giving thanks to God, giving thanks for even the smallest things, even the, the cookie before you eat it, or those gifts of bread and fish that seem so inadequate and yet prove to be abundant. 
as we consider the life of Christ. Christ, to whom we make this pledge and this promise to participate in the church through our prayers. How important prayer was to him. If we were to keep reading in the Gospel of John, we would, would see that immediately following this story, Jesus goes off to a secluded place on a mountain to be alone and be in prayer. And throughout his ministry, he made time to be in prayer, to be in conversation with God, because he knew that it was foundational to all that he would do in his ministry, all that he would do on his walk through the world, on his walk to Jerusalem, on his walk to the cross, that he would be able to face whatever came his way because he was grounded in prayer. What do our prayer lives look like these days? I know we cannot gather at this point for in-person corporate worship and corporate prayer time, and I grieve that. That is a part of the service that is so important for me and for our community to collectively bow our heads together and offer our gifts and words of thanks to God, as well as to pour before God all of our concerns, all of our worries, all of our fears, all of our challenges. And to know that we are offering those prayers, not individually, but together as a community, feels so powerful. And so I grieve that loss. That doesn't mean that it can't happen in new ways. We continue to pray for one another. I hope that you are part of our ECUMC Home Facebook page where we post the prayer concerns of our community, the needs of individuals and families, experiences that folks in our community are going through. That while we may not be shoulder to shoulder praying together, these words of prayer echo, not just within the building of East Cobb, but across the community of East Cobb. And what a beautiful image that can be, right? I could almost close my eyes and picture neighborhoods surrounding our church and words of prayer just bouncing around, covering East Cobb, covering all of Cobb County. And by doing that, we are participating in the ministry of the church through our prayers. So this week, I invite you to re-engage in your life of prayer. To begin to offer a few more prayers of thanksgiving as you go throughout your day. And I ask you to pray for the church, to pray for East Cobb United Methodist as we seek to be the church in the world, the hands and feet of Christ, even more so today and in this season. 
ask that you pray for the leaders of the church as we continue to make hard decisions about what church looks like as we move forward through the end of 2020 and into 2021. We are right now making plans for new leaders to come in to leadership positions. And so I ask that you pray for all those who will take that big step into becoming leaders in our church. Whatever your prayer life looks like, I give thanks for your prayers. And now as we close our time together, I'm grateful for Joanne Williams, our prayer warrior, who will lead us in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Father God, I just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I just come with a heart of love and thanksgiving to you, adoration to you, God. Thanking you for all of your wonderful blessings you have given to me. Thank you for your grace and brand new mercies this morning. Thank you, God, for all the provisions you have made when the doors were closed, when the farms were down. You made provisions, and God, we appreciate that. We honor you and respect you for that. And God, we thank you for your written word, your spoken word. We thank you for your presence, your love, your peace. And God, most of all, I just thank you for life and living life on purpose. Because my will is to do your will. And with your will, God, there is always purpose. And God, I thank you for living a life on purpose. I thank you for the souls of the people, God, that I am claiming this year in the midst of 2020. I thank you, God, that you're going to call some to you. They're going to come to you because 2020 means clear vision. And some of us that have been lost are going to see you and come to you in 2020. And God, we praise you. We lift you up. We magnify your name. We exalt your holy name. We extol you, God. You're so good. You're so wonderful. So kind. And God, we just thank you for this opportunity to reach out, God, to the people that are listening. We ask God that you let the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart, and all our actions be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Amen.